have discovered they are liars. Now look at verse 3. It says, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So we see that Ephesus had endured 40 years, as I mentioned earlier, of a consistency as a church. One, they were working hard. Number two, they were patiently enduring. Number three, they were not tolerating evil people. Number four, they were critically examining the claims of false prophets or apostles. In this case, it was the Judaizers. And number five, they were suffering without quitting. So there are five principles there that were going for them as a church. But what are the main objectives as a church for us today as believers in the 21st century? Well, Ephesians 5.27 says that he, Christ, did this to present her, meaning the church, to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she shall be holy and without fault. Fortunately, they didn't, con they didn't get that after a while. They had knew it from the very beginning, but as time progressed, they had seemed to get away from the vision and the, uh, the place that where God would have them be or go. Now, look, if you will, in that passage, it mentions, number one, a glorious church. What is a glorious church? Well, a glorious church is holiness in the church. Holiness is glory internal, and glory is holiness shining forth outwardly. And I'm going to repeat that. When we look at a glorious church, we have to understand that holiness is glory internal, and glory is holiness shining forth outwardly. In the Greek, the word glorious is endoxos, endoxos basically means to be held in good or in great esteem, of high repute, illustrious, honorable, esteem, notable, splendid, something that is free from sins. That is some type of uh, illustration of what God is looking for in a church. He's looking for a church that is held in great esteem to be of high repute so that others can see that and cling to the church and go to the church. The reason why many people don't go or become a member of churches today is because the church, many churches, have presented bad examples through bad ministers, unfortunately, and people have had a bad, so they say, taste in their mouth when it comes to a church. And many even Christians have shy to finding or continue to look for a church because of all the bad experience that they have encountered. But we have not to give up. We have to understand that men will fail us, but God will never fail us. So we have to keep focusing on God and Christ, who is the head of the church, not so-and-so or this person or that person. Christ is the head of the church, people. We have to remember that. Now, Lucas says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read something else as far as Paul's commitment. He says, for I am jealous for you, speaking to the Corinthians, with the jealousy of God himself. He says, I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So Paul had a commitment to even the Corinthian church, not only the Ephesians or whatever church he participated in or wrote to or planted or worked with. He had a commitment. He stood by them. He com committed his work to the church, regardless of what he saw. Corinthians were probably the most carnal church of the New Testament. 
And number two, we also see that in that passage in Ephesians 5, 27, it says that the church is supposed to be without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. In other words, it's supposed to be clean. Clean and unclean are in the church, unfortunately. But still in all, that the church that God would have today is a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Now, 2 Timothy 2.20 says this. It says, Paul writing to Timothy, says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. Expensive utensils are used for those for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. Now, that's an interesting passage when we look at the church, because that is exactly what we have. Now, look at it from a spiritual state of mind. In the church, which is a home for many people or believers, you have utensils. Try to see if you can correlate them both together. You have a home. In your home, you have utensils. Some of them are valuable. Some of them are not so valuable. He uses the example of gold and silver. Some even being made of wood and clay. So the concept is this. Sometimes there are people who have a gift or are more valuable, believe it or not, in the church because of their exercising their gift. God gives the gifts to people to make them valuable so that they become, in the church, utensils used for the glory of God and being utilized. It's like a fork or a knife or a spoon. They are used with a purpose, and that purpose is to use them so that you grab the food and put them in your mouth, not that you grab with your hands we're not beasts but some people don't understand that that they have been instituted in the church some again we are not all spoons we are not all forks we are all not all knives they're all everybody has a position and everybody has a purpose in the church some are more valuable not because of 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 being liked more but it has to be uh because of the gift that they have again let's let me not uh, try to think that God favors one another because God loves us all e- equally. So it's just based on the gift because God gives the gift to those who know he knows who is going to use the gift. So if God knows you are going to use a specific gift, he's going to give you that gift so that you can utilize it. Why would he give you a gift unless he, you are going to use it? He's not going to give that gift to so-and-so or Mary or John or Paul or whoever because that person is not going to give that, uh, utilize that gift. So he uses the expensive gift, the great gift, to those who are willing to take out the challenge and are willing to do what God will have called them to do. You may have a gift today and you're not utilizing even the, the smallest gift and you want more, but God is saying use what you have right now and exercise that gift. And when you uh, come to a point when you have uh, utilized that gift to the fullest capacity, I will give you more. As the Bible says, so much is given, much is required. Now, number three, we see that uh, he also mentions in Ephesians 5.20 that the church is supposed to be holy and without fault. The Greek word is amomos. Amomos. Basically, it means without blemish. Again, as a sacrifice without spot or blemish. In the old ancient Israel, the animals were brought to the temple for sacrifices, and they had to be that way. They had to be perfect without blemishes without a broken leg or or a eye that was not working or whatever the case may be. God would reject any type of uh, sacrifice unless the sacrifice was perfect because God wants our best. We can't bring to God 
a faulty sacrifice. He wants our lives. That's why he wants us to conform our lives to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So the church is supposed to be the same way, without fault, without blemish, without anything to come against us, without anything to pull us away, without anything that people accuse us of being. It says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Good and pleasing. Perfect. Also, we understand the word fault here, fault, again, meaning something in regards to morality, without rebuke, unblameable, even faultless. Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon 4-7 says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. God looks at his church as a bride. He wants to see a beautiful bride. He doesn't want to see a bride with a dirty dress. If you ever got married or have been a bride, you know that your dress was your pride and joy when you went down that altar, and it had to be perfect. Even there was a one thread or a wrinkle or a blemish or spot, you didn't even want to use it. You said, no way, I'm not going down the aisle with that dress unless it's 100% perfect. Unless it's beautiful. And that is what God wants us as a church to be. A beautiful church without spot or wrinkle. Amen? And in verse 4 we see this. Here when everything seems to come down. He says in verse 4, But I have this complaint against you. Jesus says, You don't love me or each other as you did at first. So the first love here is basically the context. The context is... The love they once had for the church was no longer there. Now, they did not lose it. They just left it. They had the love. 